Hey, this is Rachel, and welcome, 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 welcome to the Live with Rachel. To the Live with, the Rachel. with Rachel. Rachel. Rachel podcast. 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 Yeah, welcome to the Live with Rachel podcast. <laughs> welcome to the Live with Rachel podcast. Hey everyone, it's Rachel. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you have joined me today. How do you like my new intro? I finally got around to replacing my intro because a long time ago I actually lost my intro and I was just making do with just something that I randomly found. But now I took the time to actually record a new one. So I just want to say a special thank you to all of my friends who helped contribute to my intro and I hope you like it. (laughs) Anyway, For today's episode, I wanted to talk about dealing and overcoming temptation. I wanted to talk about this on the podcast today because I really feel like temptation and sexual sin is probably one of the main things that I get asked about most on my blog, and I see it in people and friends around me, so I really feel like it was on my heart to talk about it today. So first of all, I'm not talking about this issue from a place of, okay, wow, look at me, I'm so perfect and I'm never tempted and this is what you need to do to not be tempted because, no, temptation is everywhere and it can definitely affect anyone. But before I get into all of it, you might be someone who isn't even a Christian and you're thinking, like, what, temptation? What are you even talking about? Well, I want to be very clear and basic with it, and I would describe temptation as something kind of like an issue of some kind, where a person has the free choice to either make a decision to be faithful or unfaithful to God. However, um, it's not always going to be in regards to something sexual. Not everyone is tempted in just one area. It could it could really be anything. Um, but the Bible says that God's moral law is written in the heart of every human being, and that means that when a sinful temptation comes up, our consciences immediately can sense that something's not right. So that's the simplest way that I can describe what temptation is, and that's the simplest way that I can also describe where I'm going to be coming from in this podcast and what exactly am I talking about in this episode. So I hope that makes sense for you today. So for the Christian Temptation is an enemy, and when we encounter it, we're told to go the complete opposite direction. Now, there are two main ways that we can be tempted, either by our own selfish desires or by the devil, the enemy, his name is Satan. And the Bible says that we're to literally flee, to run away from it with absolutely no hesitation and no compromise. To be tempted isn't a sin, though, so let me just get that out of the way right now. Jesus was tempted and he never sinned. But usually the sin itself starts with the temptation to do the thing that's outside of God's loving boundaries. So when we don't turn around and run away from the temptation that comes up in our lives or the trials or the the hardship that we're being faced with, we'll probably start to act on that temptation and we'll end up actually doing it. So no one is above temptation. However, I think the best example of this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and that's the story of Joseph in Genesis uh, 39. Yeah, Genesis 39. And it was when he was encouraged to have an affair with his master's wife, and she would tempt him day after day, but Joseph always stood his ground, and he held on to his convictions and was like, no, thank you. He constantly refused to sleep with her or even to be with her, but the Bible says that one day when no one else was around, she actually caught him by the coat and pulled him towards her, and she was trying to seduce him, but the next verse, it says that he left his cloak and he ran out of the house. 
So this is the best example of running away from temptation, I think. He doesn't actually stay around to think about it or to, to contemplate, like, should he do this, should he not? He just ran. He just left the situation. So another good story, I think, is the story of Samson and Delilah. And it's in the book of Judges in chapter 16. Their story is basically the direct opposite of what happened with Joseph. And it's a really good story of what happens when you actually do give in to temptation. And long story short, Delilah overpowered Samson and he was actually the strongest man alive, but she seduced him and she ended up discovering the source of his power and she betrayed him for money and he ended up being weak and having his eyes gouged out. (laughs) That's intense. (laughs) So I think for us in a practical sense today, Uh, in today's society, I think we often fall into the temptation or we feel weak against temptation because we don't really have a complete understanding of temptation. And I'm saying this completely from my own experience because I was once struggling in a past relationship and I really felt like I couldn't shake an area of temptation. And I remember just one night being on my knees, crying to God and just telling him that I couldn't face this temptation and I needed his help and I just couldn't do it on my own, even though I really wanted to resist it. But Looking back at that memory now, I think I think if if only I knew more about temptation and if only I just didn't go off my own thoughts, ideas and assumptions about what temptation is, I probably would have been able to fight better for my values and boundaries and so on. I think also when we think of temptation, we tend to think that it'll come into our lives as a really obvious danger and it might look like a guy or a girl that clearly looks and acts like they're bad news. You know, like something that will be very plainly obvious that it's going to hurt us. But temptation often creeps into our lives through the back door. And it's usually dressed up as something that looks really, really good. And it's very subtle and you barely notice it because it's hidden behind the lies and the deception and it will rely on you being ignorant and naive. If it did come into our lives and it clearly looked like it was danger, then we would definitely know to run and to flee. Like, if you think about it, if a house is on fire, we would obviously run away from it, right? And we would go to a place that's safer. But because temptation isn't that obvious, we don't run. And instead, we end up thinking that it's harmless or we deny that it's even there. And we just tell ourselves, oh, I'll deal with it later. It's fine. Or we would want to question it or we would just straight up embrace it. And we'd be like, oh, okay, this is this is for me now. This is what I'm doing. And because I think we don't fully realize how dangerous temptation can be. We're more interested and alert to physical dangers, but not to the actual dangers that can affect our soul, our mind, or our emotions. So think about it this way. Behind every temptation, there is a master of some kind, whether it's God or the devil, if you believe in the devil. I think, uh, you know, if you're not a Christian, then, you know, take this as you will. But There's no middle ground in life, really. You're either operating for one or the other, whether you believe it or not. If we're not following God, then we're clearly following something else. The Bible says that Satan is the god of this world and the father of lies, and all evil originates from him. We all have a selfish nature, so it isn't actually always that hard for Satan to tempt us to do something we know we don't really want to do. James chapter 1 verses 13 to 14 says, If we are tempted by such trials, we must not say, This temptation comes from God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But we are tempted when we are drawn away and trapped by our own evil desires. Some people may not believe that it's as clear-cut as that, but either way, 
way, the question we need to be asking ourselves is, who exactly are we serving? Is it God? Is it myself? Is it my flesh, my desires? Or is it the world? Is it the devil? Like, are we just following good vibes, good feelings? Like, what is it exactly that we are serving? Well, in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Surely you know that when you surrender yourselves as slaves to obey someone, you are in fact the slaves of the master you obey, either of sin, which results in death, or of obedience, which results in being put right with God. So today, I encourage you to take the first step in overcoming temptation, and that's to to take it more seriously. Remember, temptation has a mission, and it's to ruin you and to steal you away from God's best plan that He has for you. It's out to ruin your life. Temptation isn't innocent or anything trivial. It's actually, it's literally out there to steal your joy. So today, we need to start taking it more seriously. Temptation doesn't have to be applied to just your sexual desires, your sexual temptations, like I said earlier. But as an example for other things, here are some examples. It could apply to weariness. I know that I've definitely felt weary and tired this past year. How about you? Sometimes you are just too tired to read your Bible or you're too tired to find the right person to be your partner in life. So you pick the first person or whoever comes your way. Or you're too tired to lead the family in a Christ-like way, so you just settle for less, or you just let your, your other partner do it, or you're too tired to go to church, so you stay home. And hear me, I am not having a go at you. If anything, I'm having a go at myself, because I have done this so many times. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we become weary in holding up our boundaries, then we become like a sitting duck for the enemy, and he'll just sink us into a mediocre worldly lifestyle. So you got to fight. you got to be vigilant, because... 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Also, Romans chapter 13, verses 13 to 14 says, Let us conduct ourselves properly as people who live in the light of the day. No orgies or drunkenness, no immorality or indecency, no fighting or jealousy, but take up the weapons of the Lord Jesus Christ and stop paying attention to your sinful nature and satisfying its desires. So the second step that I would encourage you in dealing with and overcoming temptation is to build a really good defense. Fighting temptation in the Bible has been compared to like fighting a war. So let's talk about it like it is one. So if you know me, you know that I live in a town called Alice Springs in the Northern Territory in Australia. And if you know anything about that town, you know that it can be pretty dangerous. I was actually looking at the crime statistics between January of 2020 and January of 2021. And between that time, there have been the following. 1,794 assaults, 1,126 domestic violent cases, 909 alcohol-related assaults, 67 sexual assaults, 644 house break-ins, 348 commercial building break-ins, 300 motor vehicle thefts, and finally, what the town is most sick of is property damage. There was 1,933 cases of those. Now that's a lot for a town that has a population of about 25,000 people. Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) As someone who is born and bred an Alice Springian, if you were to ask me how to keep myself, my house, or car safe at night, I would say the following. 
Don't go out at night past 11pm. Get crim safe for your windows and your doors, which if you don't know what crim safe is, it's a metal mesh that is well known for not breaking, even if you bring a chainsaw to it. It's really brilliant. Or... Um, you can get a dog or two. <laughs> you can lock your car, but keep your keys and your other valuables in your bedroom with you while you're sleeping at night. And if you want extra safety points, then I would also say get a steering wheel lock. Or uh, you can also get some security lights that turn on with movement. Um, and I think the last thing I would recommend is maybe getting some wooden poles from Bunnings, which if you're not from Australia, Bunnings is a hardware store. And you can get them cut to size um, and it holds your sliding windows shut if you have any sliding windows. So those are a few of my suggestions on how to be safe. Now, if I had all of these safety measures in place, right, then there's a pretty high chance that an intruder would be kept out of my house and out of my possessions. The same would be true when it comes to temptations. Now, I said earlier that we can be tempted in two main ways, through Satan and through your own selfish desires. However, these temptations can come into existence in four different ways. Now, it could be your thoughts that you choose to entertain. They can influence you. Your words that you say can lure you away. Failing to guide your own heart from getting involved in unhealthy relationships and friendships. And lastly, when you allow yourself to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong person. All of these things is ways that temptations can come into existence. So just like a house, if you leave any of these areas unguarded and unlocked, your mind, your heart, mouth and body, then it's easier to fall into temptation. King David once prayed in Psalm chapter 26 verse 6, Examine me and test me, Lord. Judge my desires and my thoughts. Now, that's a bold prayer. Do you think that you have the courage to pray that? Seriously, if you want to have positive thoughts and actions so that you can say confidently that you have a Christ-like character, then ask yourself these questions. What thoughts does God say are appropriate or inappropriate? Is it allowed in the Bible? Is it beneficial? How can you guard your mind against influences that cause you to trip up? Because I encourage you, get practical with this. Because when you rehearse those tempting thoughts in your mind, it's like you're rehearsing for rebellion. So avoid rehearsing those thoughts over and over in your mind. No temptation can become sin without our permission. So start putting your defenses up. So when you pray about this and research the Bible, you'll actually discover that each person has their own limits and boundaries. What affects you might not actually affect another person. So we shouldn't be critical or judgmental of others if they do something that we feel like we shouldn't be doing. In the same way, if you're aware that a particular thing is the cause of temptation for another person, then we probably shouldn't be doing that around them. For example, someone who is struggling in sexual sin, they might not be able to watch movies that have romance or sexual sin scenes in them. Pornography also. I mean, we shouldn't be watching pornography anyway. Or even listening to music about that kind of stuff, because it might be hard for them. Some people can't even be alone with someone like of the same gender that they're attracted to, because they have to stay accountable. And by being accountable, they have to have other people around them. Or if they're on the phone to someone, they have to have it on speakerphone, or they just limit the call to five minutes, or just straight up not pick up the call at all. I used to know someone who they couldn't even hug people of the gender that they were attracted to because it was too much for them. Also, if I could give a personal example, 
I can't watch horror movies. I used to be able to, but I can't anymore. Whenever I watch a horror movie now, those scenes will just be burned into my brain and I will remember those images for ages and ages and months and months and it'll just grow intense fear inside me, whether the horror is realistic or not. And I'm already someone who has battled with anxiety and panic disorder, so if someone invites me to see a horror movie, I I have to say no for my own good. So anyway, whatever boundaries work for you, no matter how silly it may seem, do it. No, no area of temptation is silly. If you need to put up a defense in a, for an area of temptation, put up that defense and stop caring about what other people think. Think of this stuff like garbage. Garbage eventually rots and you sometimes end up with maggots. So if this garbage gets into your soul, it will infect your life and the lives of those closest to you. So whatever your personal convictions are, maybe write them out and also write out explanations so that you can really identify what might need to go in your life. Some other examples might be You just want to limit your time watching TV or being on social media. Maybe secular music isn't good for you. Maybe it triggers sexual temptations or temptations to swear. Whatever it may be, maybe you just need to cut some people out of your life. That might be a harsh reality. Maybe choose not to read romance books or magazines if you're tempted sexually. Like The list could literally go on on the ideas that you could do to limit your temptations. Now, I know it sounds really intense, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that say the Christian life is boring, but remember what I said about rotting garbage? Yeah, so ask yourself, does this promote or glamorize ideas or situations that oppose my Christian values? Is it uplifting to my soul? As in, does it point me towards being grateful or being depressed? Does it encourage me to build up my character, or does it just tear me down? Am I really invested in getting to know God personally and intimately? To summarize, just don't allow things to enter into your mind that can distract you from being devoted completely to Jesus and the things that he has called you to do. And just like I said about rehearsing those tempting thoughts over and over in your head, the opposite can also be true. Rehearse your line of defense because it will eventually grow and it will grow and it will grow the ability to resist those temptations in the future. Now, I want to take this opportunity to be completely honest with you. My time of singleness in between my last failed engagement and my current marriage, it wasn't actually a smooth sailing ride. Um, if you haven't listened, I was a I was a co-host with my husband's friend, Tom DeLong. He has a podcast called Thriving with Singleness. Hello, future Rachel here. It's called Thriving in Singleness, not Thriving with Singleness. I am so sorry, Tom. <laughs> Um, we, we did an episode together recently and I would 100,010% recommend that you go listen to that episode. It should be out by now. Um, but I'm going to, I talk more about my, my time of singleness in his podcast. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that episode, subscribe to his podcast. It's a really awesome podcast. But anyway, being single for the first time as a Christian woman, it wasn't smooth sailing. Temptations were just left and right, and I made many mistakes because I wasn't diligent enough to resist against temptation. And back then, I was really naive and ignorant. It was the first time I was a Christian and also single. And the last time I was single before then, I wasn't a Christian, and I still had a lot of coping mechanisms from back then. And I didn't really know how to be a faith-filled woman of God while also being single. So it was a learning experience for me, but I want to share some of the things that I did learn during that time and 
This is especially for those women and men out there who may struggle with being content during their singleness or even choosing to stay sexually pure in a dating relationship before marriage. The following might sound really cringe to some people, but hey, on my good days, these tactics, they actually worked for me. So so here are three things that I did that actually worked for me when I was struggling. So number one, meditate on Bible verses that help you to keep your focus where it needs to be. Two, pray for that person's future wife or future husband. So think about it. One day, that person will probably have a husband or a wife, whether that's you or not. So even praying for your own future husband or wife is really, really beneficial. Simply reminding yourself that entertaining, whether it's sexual thoughts or actions about this person, is like committing mental adultery. So keep your future spouse in mind. Would they be happy and proud of you for the actions that you took before meeting them? Number three. Focus on just doing the next right thing. Day by day, action by action, just focus on not getting sidetracked by someone or something that you really probably shouldn't entertain. So those were just three things that I did practically to help me push through singleness. I'm not saying that I like endured singleness. It was just a really rough ride for me. So if you're going through a hard time in your singleness, I hope this helps you too. Okay. So I know I talked a lot about keeping things out of your mind, but now I want to talk about things that you should be letting into your mind. So when I first became a Christian, I came across Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 for the very first time, and it just absolutely blew my mind. And to this day, I still try to keep it as like my life verse, meaning that it's a Bible verse that I try to remember and live by. And it says this, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to His service and to pleasing Him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you'll be able to know the will of God and what is good and pleasing to Him and perfect. So when I first heard this verse, something in my mind just clicked. We're not to use our bodies to fulfill what we want to do, but we're actually supposed to use our bodies as instruments that we can let God use to further the good work in the world. And the best way to prepare ourselves for this purpose is to resist the things of the world, to resist the things and the messages that the world is trying to constantly pour into our minds, no matter how convincing it may sound. But instead, we're to have a constant flow of Christ-like, godly messages coming in our minds instead. And this is how we'll know what God's will is, because then his still small voice won't be drowned out by competing voices. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 to 24 actually hits this right on the head and it says this, Get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to, the old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. Your hearts and minds must be made completely new, and you must put on the new self, which is created in God's likeness and reveals itself in the true life that is upright and holy. So practically, this can look like so many different things, and you can go about this in so many different ways, but as an example, it might look like maybe creating a new routine for yourself. For example, maybe as soon as you wake up, you get right into the habit of praying and thanking God for the day that He has made, and maybe you can spend 15 minutes just reading the Bible, studying it. Maybe you you read something in it one time and it really impacts you, so you just commit to meditating on that particular verse for the day. Maybe you can even start reading more Christian living books. Maybe you can start journaling at the end of the day. It can be like a reflection on your thoughts, feelings, what God is teaching you. Maybe 
even also like the areas that you want God to work on in you. Maybe you can even write out prayer requests down in your journal. Um, That's really, really good. Um, Maybe you're getting ready for work and you can listen to worship music. It can just pump you up, get, get you ready for the day. Or a Christian podcast that encourages you. Hello, you're listening to a Christian podcast right now. <laughs> Good job. (laughs) You know, just little things like that, that you can incorporate into your daily life to incorporate more godly messages into your day. Because really, either sin and temptation will keep you from the Bible or the Bible will keep you from sin and temptation. It's as plain as that. Go as deep into the things of God as you were in the things of the world. Be a person whose actions actually back up your words. Be the person that you want to be. Don't just let life happen to you, but be a person of conviction and actually live by those convictions. Don't be a lukewarm Christian if you are one. Just live for God and nothing else. It's as clear as that. Now, I can talk about this way more, but I have a feeling that this episode is going to be a way lot longer than I actually want it to be. So for now, I really hope these ideas on dealing with and overcoming temptation have really encouraged you. And just remember that, like I said, if you're a Christian, the Bible says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and your heart is God's dwelling place. And as a believer, you have the mind of Christ also, and your words are an instrument of his wisdom and to be used as an encouragement to others. The Bible also talks about putting on the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. So put that on daily and vigilantly guard your body, heart, mind, mouth with absolute no apology or compromise because you'd be well on your way to reaping the benefits of overcoming temptation when you do so. And with all that being said, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it, and I really hope that it was useful for you and that it really encouraged you. And if the podcast is useful and helpful to you, and if you are really enjoying it, then I would invite you to share it on social media or share it with a friend. If you do, please make sure to tag me so I can see it. And if you're not yet subscribed, please let me take this opportunity to invite you to do that as well. You'll get notified whenever I upload a new episode. So thanks again for being with me on this journey as we both are learning to live rich and full lives in the light of God's ways and truth. I'll see you next time. Bye.